The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Giants fans and welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, part of the SB Nation family of podcasts. I'm your host, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View, and today's show is going to feature an interview with Ken Marangolo of SB Nation's Hogs Haven website as we continue to, uh, to preview the New York Giants opponent's For the 2019 season, Ken, of course, covers the Washington Redskins, Giants opponent in the NFC East. We have lots and lots to talk about with Ken between uh, Dwayne Haskins, between the the simple NFC East rivalry, uh, Landon Collins, Eric Flowers, even Dominique Rogers-Cromarty, you know, being part of the Redskins. So we will get to that in a second. Just quickly wanted to uh, keep you guys up to date on what's going on. You know, at Big Blue View, we're continuing our series of player profiles of the 90-man roster. We're also continuing our summer school series in which we're trying to uh, to teach you guys about various aspects of, of NFL football uh, Chris, this summer has been focusing quite a bit on individual plays, how they broke down, what they mean, why they worked, why they didn't work. We've had quite a bit of uh, of stuff from quarterback expert Mark Schofield breaking down various pieces of how you scout NFL quarterbacks, the various traits that you look for. You know, when you watch quarterback play, all of that has been very interesting. We hope that you've enjoyed it. We hope that you'll continue to enjoy it. We're into July now, which means, you know, first of all, this week is 4th of July week. We hope that you enjoy yourself. We hope you stay safe. You know, please be careful with the fireworks out there, you know, during the week. Uh, we don't want anything. Uh, we don't want any any incidents, anything bad to happen to anyone. So please uh you make sure that you know what you're doing if you're going to uh, to be messing around with the fireworks. 
Um, so with that said, Giants fans, let's get to the interview that I did with Ken Marangolo of Hogs Haven. All right, Giants fans, I'm joined now by Ken Marangolo of SB Nation's Washington Redskins blog, Hogs Haven. And uh, Ken, as I, as I bring you on here, you know, we don't have a whole heck of a lot to talk about, do we? I mean, not I, those are the those are when the conversations are longest, though. I feel like and, and and most enjoyable. I think. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's there's NFC East Giants Redskins. There's always stuff to talk about, but this year it seems like uh, you know a good chunk of the Giants roster has has migrated to DC, and we have a little quarterback issue to discuss as well. Yeah, well, I mean. Landon is a is that's a big a big addition, and I'm glad that it hasn't been like a daily reminder. Uh, I think if we hadn't drafted Haskins, if we weren't dealing with the Alex Smith stuff, if the Trent Williams drama wasn't you know unfolding in our faces, and if if you know Bruce Allen wasn't just you know constantly uh, igniting you know an office dumpster fire in, in his in his own you know <laughs> then we could talk about you know things like uh, you know. Whether you know at what point in time is Eli going to going to hang him up? Because I, I I've got to be honest with you, I'll be happy to see that happen. Uh you know, there's there's a lot of Giants fans that that would agree with you, to be honest. But you know, I'm I'm not one of them. But uh, you know, we we will get to the quarterback stuff here shortly. Yeah. Let's let's start with Landon Collins. Okay. I have I have to assume that you know folks in dc i have to assume that you guys are thrilled to have landon collins you know on that defense at this point uh, absolutely he's he so he's a playmaker uh, coming into the league i loved him because he loved sean taylor he went to new york so i had to hate him um but of all the nfc east teams the personnel turnover between our two teams has been less Hard, you know, painful for me than watching Redskins play in either Philadelphia or Dallas, um, and maybe vice versa. You know, maybe that's how it is for you. But I'll, I'll tell you about Landon. He's an Alabama guy. He's playing with his teammates. Um, he 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 does have that feeling for Sean Taylor, and, and he's just an upgrade. I mean, we can talk about all the other special stuff that makes your heart you know warm and your and goosebumps. But at the end of the day, the Redskins needed some talent and, and everyone people are going to nibble away at you know things he might do wrong in this situation and might do poorly in this situation and I've watched those things happen from the other side of the field but he's an upgrade for us uh, he's a he's a quality player at a position where you have to have talent and also at, at the safety position veteran uh, status matters uh, even the, just a little bit more you're uh, you're uh, there's a lot of space between you and other people there's a lot of um, emphasis on film work which he's excellent at and I think it, you know it's a big deal for our defense um, to have him you know in the back there. You know, Landon Collins is a really good player, and I, I said mm-hmm. going, I said you know going into free agency, I would like to see him stay with the Giants. But I have to say this: he's a good player. He's a good teammate. He plays with energy. He plays hurt. He does all of those things that that you that you want a guy to do but you guys are insane paying him 14 million dollars a year i'm sorry you're insane paying him that kind of money because he can't cover anybody well he's not going to play 
uh, he's not going to play free for us. If you look at the uh, heat map of where he was most successful, lining up behind the D on uh, on either side and and walking up on the linebacker depth, that's where he's most successful, and that's what he's going to do for us. So you know, he's where his where his coverage skills lack. Um, I think you know he'll be asked to do less of that because I think he is going to be a, a guy operating a lot closer to the line of scrimmage. That's where his grades have been highest as a player. Um, you know, in fourteen million bucks a year. It's a lot um, for a safety, obviously, uh, but we need it. We, we had nothing. We have nobody. Uh, we were cycling in a lot of, you know, randoms. Uh, we we needed a guy. And $14 million a year on the football field at, at positions where, you know, again, all those things matter. Defensive line, we're, we're, we're covered with rookies, so we're, we're saving money there. Um, offensive line, uh, we got some issues, obviously. But you know, at corner and, and and some of these other places, the Redskins are young, and th- and those salaries are just more in general. You know, everything is like you know, a safety, uh, you know, a, a big payday for a safety is is not like a huge ticket anymore in the NFL. So I mean, fourteen million sounds like a lot, but if you look across like the league, like that's not like a huge number for a guy. It's going to be on the field at least half the time. You know, it's I just I know the Giants weren't going to pay him that much i mean they refused mm-hmm. to pay him the i think the uh i think the franchise tag was around 11 million dollars um you know as i said he's a terrific player i'm gonna hate seeing him on the other side of the field twice a year for the next however many years i just i i certainly you know from from this side of the fence I absolutely understood why Dave Gettleman wouldn't pay him that kind of money, you know, under the circumstances. And I, I suppose on the flip side is I, I get why Washington would. I just I, I just think it's too much money for a guy with that skill set. Yeah, I, I, and I, I won't, like, stand here and disagree too hard with that. I'm a big salary cap guy. You know, I love getting into that kind of stuff. I love the, you know, managing a roster and finding, you know, ways to get more value from a player than necessarily they're slotted in the in the uh, salary cap. So, you know, he's going to have to really play really, really, really well to bring us $14 million of value back. I'll give you that. Um, but all the things that then kind of are gravy, you know, him playing you – know, our, t- our defense is basically like, you know, it's like six or six guys from Alabama. They all they, – they're, they're, they're boys. I think that means something and – you know, we do need a, we needed a leader. We didn't really have anyone else or anyone that's vocal, anyways. Um, and I think that that's helpful helpful for us. So you know, I, I I'm with you. I, I I don't ever want to be like the team that pays a guy like the most. I don't want to be having the the league's most expensive player at any position or, or one of the highest paid players in any position. I just don't like that as a you know principle. Um, but he's an upgrade for us. We you know we need the talent um, and. Shoot, we've, we're going to have to get it done on defense this year if we're going to get anything done at all. Um, and, and he certainly is a big needle mover in that regard. He is a class guy. I mean, I will say, you know, he for a few years, you know, here in in the New York, New Jersey area, he had a a charity softball game, you know, in the uh, in the New York, New Jersey area. And this summer, he actually, even after, you know, signing with the Redskins, he actually went ahead with that game, which involved a lot of current and former Giants, you know, playing in that game for charity. To me, it just showed that he he is a class act. And, and you know, 
I wish him well. I hope Giants fans wish him well. You know, except obviously in those two games a year when uh, when the Giants and Redskins are playing. Yeah, and and uh, I think the Dave Gettleman thing is is cool because you know the Redskins have a history uh, now of bringing in defensive backs that Dick Gettleman gets rid of and then giving them a ton of money that Gettleman wouldn't give them because that's what happened with Josh Norman in Carolina, I believe. I'm not mistaken. Um, I think Gettleman was the guy down there uh, when they let um, Josh Norman go, and uh, they rescinded the tag. Right? Was, that right. Was Gettleman, I yeah, believe. that was that was Gettleman in, in Carolina. Yes, it was. And then we went ahead and made Josh Norman one of the highest paid corners. So there's like you know, at least we're at least we're consistent. I mean, at least so. we're consistently taking Gettleman's trash and and giving him raises. That's what we do. Yeah, I'm not even sure where to go with that one, Ken, because because there's a certain segment of Giants fans which I'm not part of sure. that basically thinks that 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 everything Dave Gettleman has done in two off seasons is trash. So if you're taking the trash that he's throwing out, and Giants fans think that what he's bringing in is trash. <laughs> I'm yeah. not so sure where to go with that one at all. Yeah. I know. Well, well, and you know, and and it's fitting that the Redskins and Giants. I mean, no one's looking at us to do anything, you know, meaningful uh, this coming season. Everyone's eyes are at, uh, looking at Philadelphia, and then you know, and then they float over to, to Dallas. So you know, I, I, I one thing we know is there was someone different's going to win the win the NFC East. You know, almost certainly that happens every year. Hey, I do have a suggestion though. Since you mentioned Josh Norman and you mentioned Landon Collins and you mentioned the amount of money that, that the Redskins are paying both of those guys, maybe they could go ask Landon and Josh for a little bit of their money back so that they can go out and get somebody else on the offensive line so they don't actually have to play Eric Flowers. Well, we're not playing Eric. I'll I will start a left tackle before Eric Flowers starts a left tackle for the Redskins. That you can count on that. Um, I think I, I've been doing a lot of calisthenics, and I'm, I've been I'm drinking as much whiskey as I possibly can. I'm, I'm sure I'm going to be ready uh, for for preseason. He's not going to be our left tackle. Um, this is like he's like our, the John Beck of left tackles. I mean, he I don't I, he every, to everyone he's he, you know he meets he's calling himself a starter, but there's no way. I mean, I, I want to see what these rookies are. I want to see where the uh, the kid we drafted last year, uh, Jaron Christian, what, you know, what his health is like. I mean, I think, man, Eric Flowers is the only healthy body that can line up in OTAs. Uh, but <laughs> I just, he will not be playing. Uh, start. He will not be starting for us. I can. All, I mean, I'd be willing to bet you. I, I feel co- confident in that statement. I keep reading that they're moving him to guard, and that. Yeah, uh, and that that they like what he looks like at guard, and so I mean, he's huge. I, he is huge, but but he can't bend over. No, no, he <laughs> looks great standing at guard. That's all. That's this period. End of sentence. That, notice they didn't say he looks good playing guard. He looks great standing there. I like that. He could he could yeah. stand there and just wave people by. You know, would play the. Play the Giants and and he can wave Dexter Lawrence and and Dalvin Tomlinson by, you know oh, yeah. maybe maybe he can trip them. I mean on the on the on the plus side, although he, on the plus side, you know last year when the Giants played the Jaguars in Week One, 
the very second play of the game, Calais Campbell was lined up against Eric Flowers, who was at right tackle. Second play of the game, second play of the season, and he blew past Flowers like Flowers was stuck in concrete, and Flowers just reached out and tripped him. And he said after the game, he said, well, he said, I really didn't know what kind of a player he was, and I didn't know what kind of moves to expect. (laughs) Eric, friend, there's a thing called film. You know, not to just, mention you're bigger than he just, you know, get in the way, you know, yeah, you, you know, there's uh, it just 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 to give you a little insight into what you're dealing with there. Eric, my, you know, my friend, there's there's a thing called film and the guy's been oh, yeah. in the league for six, seven years and he's one of the best in the league. You know, there's there is tape out there for you to study. <laughs> so I, 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 I'm blown away on the regular with the, the guys. uh really you know kind of frown on film work you know Landon Collins is one of them Landon Collins is a beast uh when it comes to film work thank goodness uh RG3 and then he uh that was the biggest knock on him uh, by Shanahan he he, what uh, he did Olympic style training for sprints and hurdles like you know on the field instead of film work Blue, blue shade of hand away, but it's crazy how some players do and some players don't. And it definitely, it definitely matters. It definitely shows up on Sunday. It it does for the simple reason that you know one of the things that that some of these guys don't understand. You know, they come through high school, they come through college, they've been gifted. They're better athletes than a lot of the guys that they're playing against. And you you get to the highest level of a sport like that, and and. Even you know, from the top guy on a fifty-three man roster to the bottom, in there isn't really a whole lot that separates most of those guys in terms of physical capability. In a lot of cases, they're all outstanding athletes. A lot of times, what separates them is how hard they work, how hard they study, and what's in between their ears. And too many of these, yep. too many of these guys just don't seem to get that. No, well, you know they can they can make enough money on that first contract if they're lucky to, you know, be a big shot, you know, and they're and with their with their boys, um, you know, and then all of a sudden they're not the fastest or quickest or anymore. They get or they take one bad hit. Whereas you know you see a lot of times it doesn't matter. You know, a lot of smaller guys make it work. You know, they're able to avoid big hits. They're able to. Um, you know, use their IQ, their 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 football IQ. I, it's you're right. It's it's nuts. I mean, I uh, I I see. I, I interview these guys all the time. Uh, you know, coming out of college, coming through the middle tier guys, the guys some of which are some of whom are going to get a chance, some of whom aren't. Um, it's uh, yeah. You can and you always can tell the guys who are free to hang out on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. You know, those are the guys who probably won't be here in a couple of years because the, the guys who aren't available, the guys who, they're all hanging out in someone's basement. You know, doing doing film film work together. There you go. So, hey, I have to ask you. You know, you mentioned Bruce Allen. Yeah. All right, Fire and you Bruce Allen. and you know the deal in in New York. You know the way that a lot of people feel about Dave Gettleman. You yeah. know, and what I'll, what I'll say about Gettleman is that I I don't agree with every move that Dave Gettleman has made. What I feel like is a good thing is that he that he does what he believes to be the right thing. You know, he doesn't just make a move because 
you know, and we'll get into Haskins and Jones in a little bit. Popular opinion said he should have drafted Dwayne Haskins. He liked Daniel Jones better, so that's what he did. I like the fact that he thinks for himself, you know, and and that he he puts the work in, he studies, he travels, he does all of that. And I guess, you know, my my long-winded point here is this. As much as we know how people in Washington feel about Bruce Allen, which guy would would you would you would you take Dave Gettleman in a trade for Bruce Allen? I mean, that's it's easy. It's an easy yes without even having to dig into Gettleman's history or past resume. Uh, I, a GM that you can quibble with because of who they pick, um, if they get it right, you know, Daniel Jones is a Dave Gettleman pick. He'll be judged on how good Daniel Jones is. If Daniel Jones is great, Dave Gettleman made a great decision. If Daniel Jones is terrible, Dave Gettleman's probably out of a job. I, that's like you know, that's like when you're talking politics. Is if you have a policy difference, you know, you, everyone kind of understands where you stand on it. But it's the other stuff that gets a, a thing. And, and there, you know, Bruce Allen, within the last year and a half, was voted by his peers, by people in the league, not by people like me and you, and you know, people in the league, players and agents. He was voted the least trustworthy decision maker in the National Football League. Bruce Allen was. Um, so. To me, like that's it. It's a that's it. I'll take I'll take anyone higher than him on that list, um, for starters. And, and you know, I just it, it's cost us players. It's cost us reputation. I think people look at the Washington Redskins front office. I mean, you and you pair that with Daniel Snyder. There's a reason why he's the league's most least trustworthy decision maker in the NFL. It's because Daniel Snyder is is a bad guy, you know, and and. You know, he puts these people in place to make bad, you know, to take the blame and the bullets for terrible decisions. Um, sometimes they're personnel related, but sometimes it's other crap. And then, like, that just, like, bleeds into everything that, you know, we'll see what happens with Trent Williams. That could be another matter where the Redskins just totally crapped all, all over themselves in a situation where they probably didn't have to. Um, and now you, you make the, you know, you're the best player on your team upset at you for something that's completely unrelated to football. And it's like, oh my gosh! Like, how how does this constantly happen? You know, to the to these guys. So, you know, Bruce Allen, I, I I'm ready to you know uh, I'm I'm putting him back in front of me and sending him back to the dealer, and I'm I'm drawing. You know, I'm drawing four. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian.
Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You know, if 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 this was if this was print, I think I would take you know that little speech that you just made and put it in big, bright, bold red letters for Giants fans under the heading. You know, someone who hates his 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 GM, you know, more than Giants fans hate Dave Gettleman. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it, it's it, he's a he's a link to the past. You know, the Allen family goes back. Obviously, George Allen was a very popular coach here. The Allen family is huge in politics. uh, Allen was the governor of Virginia um, and and a um, a politician, a prominent politician in the the D.C. area for uh, a lot of years until recently. And Daniel Snyder got Bruce Allen. And Bruce Allen, he parties. I mean, we're spilling it all here. We're in the trust tree, right? This is the nest, right? I mean, we're talking about a... (laughs) A uh, circle of trust, you know, they they pull out the bottle and start talking, and who knows what they're going to think up and try to do. You know, how do you think Jeff George happened? You know, how do you think Danny Wolf happened? How do you think a lot of this? How do you think how do you think uh, Steve Sprayer happened? I mean, that those are that's not on Bruce Allen, but that's that's you know it does go to, go to to the to the top. And Dan Snyder, you know, he can't get it done. He's not a football guy. He's never going to be successful at that. And you know, Bruce Allen is his latest failure. Bruce Allen is Dan Snyder's latest failure that he's not letting go of um, just quite yet, but he will. And, you know, and then it'll be on to the next guy. Um, but Bruce Allen is heavily involved in the stadium negotiations uh, with D.C., Virginia, and Maryland. So that's kind of saving him a little bit. Um, Bruce Allen is um, great at taking bullets for Dan Snyder. The guy, the guy talks less to the press than Sarah Sanders. He doesn't. He, he won't. He won't. He, he's not available. And you know when he is available, he's available when like something randomly awesome happens. Like oh god, if, if like, you know, I can't. Like Dwayne, like, a bunch of people said Dwayne, Dwayne Haskins was the best quarterback in the draft. You know uh, that draft weekend, a bunch of talking heads. Oh, guess who shows up to talk to the press and, and be like, oh god, well, that's our guy, and, and just completely roll around, you know, like a pig and crap, you know, for twenty four hours and then gone. Vanish like, like a fart in the wind. Bruce Allen never to be seen from again. And, he, and he's still he doesn't. So it's like wow. oh, it's such a joke, Ed. It's such a joke. And 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 again, I would love to, to be able to grade Bruce Allen just on players. He's brought in some good players. Like the Redskins have have drafted halfway decent players, not great ones. Some some good ones, you know, some bad ones. But I mean, hell, there's so we need we're, we needed so much talent that when you draft eight or nine guys, they're pretty much all going to make the team. So, uh, you know, does that make him smart or does that just make us, you know, in a perpetual state of, of terribleness? <laughs> I, don't, I mean, look, I, I, wow. I don't know. I'm like, I feel like I'm back in week 15. Oh, I got you. I got you started. I got you riled up and, and that's good. And, and, and oh, by the way, Trent Williams, you know, if you want to, if you want to come to New York, we'll, we'll find a spot for you. I, you know, I, so it, it's weird. So the news comes out, Trent Williams trade me or um, new, new deal or trade me. Then, then it comes out that part of it has to do with his being upset about how the Redskins treated him and his cancer scare and a tumor. And he had some surgery on his skull. And it was like a crazy, you know, 
situation. Um, he's got two years left. He has missed games. He's missed like twenty-seven percent to thirty. You know, he's he's missed games, but he's our best player. Like he is our best player. He's one of the best left tackles in the league. Of all the dumb things that the Redskins can and have done, you're never. It's almost never a bad decision to pay a left tackle as market value. I mean, period. Like that's just. You can't be you can't be ridiculed. You can't be second guessed. If you have a guy who everyone says is one of, if not the best left tackle in the league, you know, top three, top five. If you pay him his market value, you win as a, as a franchise. So they need to get that figured out. Sounds like they need to get a lot of things figured out, and and I <laughs> and and I think. Uh, you know, I think the deal with the Giants is we've seen the decisions that Dave Gettleman's made the last two off season and seasons, and it's it's really just a question of you know, of whether or not it's going to work out. It's not a question of uh, of in house dysfunction. I mean, I know that people sometimes say they can't really see the plan, but it's it's a question of whether his decisions and whether his ultimate judgment is going to be right it's not a question of of any of the other in-house politics and and all of that you know affecting all of it so i think you know from that perspective i think uh the giants have to feel a little bit better about the place that they're in yeah yeah no i so i love daniel jones um, I, I watched him. We watched a ton of Daniel Jones film. Uh, my buddy, uh, one of my co-hosts of my show, The Audible, on First Amendment Sports in Hogshaven. Um, we, uh, you know, his his uh, dad played at Duke. His father was a um, player. His father and his grandfather both played for the Redskins. Um, but they play. Um, his dad played at Duke, and you know, his family's a big Duke family. And we have spent. We have tons. We had access to all the film. Um, I knew, I knew, and we have, you know, we had to make our predictions at the end of the season uh, for the off-season predictions. My prediction was Daniel Jones is going, you know, he's going to be the quarter, the first quarterback after Kyler Murray. I mean, Daniel Jones, he's the guy everyone's going to talk themselves into. He's definitely the, the the prototype quarterback that that general managers are going to second, third, fourth, and fifth guess themselves into taking, uh, you know, because I guess what. Everyone probably in New York is thinking they could have probably got Daniel Jones later, but that's the game. That's the game Gettleman was playing. And if he really wanted him, I, I, I mean, I just have no problem with that. You have a quarterback on a four-year deal uh, for, like, what, $20 million, something like that, roughly? I, I forget exactly what Jones's deal is. That's that's whatever total contract Daniel Jones is playing on is less than, like, half the starting quarterbacks in the league. And that, that, you have to get something out of that. And, you know, I just find it interesting because for two years we said the biggest decision that Dave Gettleman was ever going to have to make was who would be the heir apparent to Eli Manning, you know, and he's made that decision. And it sounds like you also agree with with one of the other basic tenets that I happen to agree with as well. If you love a quarterback... If you need a quarterback, come across a guy that you love. You know, the Giants also had to pick at 17, and they could have messed around. They could have taken Josh Allen at number six. But when you have a guy that you love, you know, who you think is your quarterback of the future, you don't mess around and take a chance on losing that guy. You just take the guy and move on. 
Yeah, you're you're in a position to pick who you want. And if you're taking a quarterback, if you're if you're if you are dead set on taking a quarterback, and and when you when you change change the rulers, you know, in in the uh, front office there, everyone knew. But by the way, I, I hated as a Redskins fan who, you know, has no love lost for for the New York Giants. I did not like uh, them sitting Eli uh, when they sat him to break the streak. I, I didn't understand it. I still don't understand it. I'm, I don't, I'm sure you probably like went blue in the face uh, up there talking about it at the time. Uh, but I, that that blew me away. I thought it was totally wrong. This is a Super Bowl MVP, and he's still playing. And he's and it wasn't his fault. So I just I hated that. No, it wasn't his fault, and I think that we saw some of the fallout from that. And I mean, Ben McAdoo was going to get fired at the end of that season anyway. And I think Jerry Reese was going to get fired anyway. And, and there, there were two issues with that one. You let a guy who you were going to fire, make that call. Exactly. And I agree. And the other part of that is I think that, whether he was the quarterback of the future or not, the Giants drafted Davis Webb that year in the third round. And, you know, Davis Webb is now a member of the Jets, and this year he'll compete to be the backup quarterback to Sam Darnold, and his career is probably going to be one of where he sits and has a nice long career as a backup who hardly ever gets in any games. But if you were going to sit Eli Manning at the end of a season like that where you won three games you could have justified it by saying we're two and ten we're gonna play this kid for the last four games to see if we need to go get a quarterback you know in the next draft class I don't think anybody would have complained about that at all I think that that everybody would have understood it Eli wouldn't have liked it but it would have been you know from from it would have been an acceptable thing to do at that point for the good of the franchise and but to 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 replace him with Geno Smith who had no business playing and was not yeah. in any not in any way shape or form going to be the future of the franchise was a simple slap in the face and i i took it at the time and I said at the time, this is Ben McAdoo knowing he's going down, taking Eli Manning down with him or taking something that means a lot to Eli Manning down with him. And and I thought it was unforgivable. So I, I just I appreciate you, uh, you know, bringing that up. I thought that, like I said, I just think I it was handled poorly. And I think there there was a proper way to do it. And a proper sure. reason to do it, considering that they were two and ten, but they they made a mess out of it. Yeah, yeah. Like, hey, don't, anyway, let's... don't get me like don't make me all of a sudden Eli guy. But you know, I definitely that definitely rubbed me the wrong way. Um, no. But he and he's done well against us. He's been one of like the NFC East quarterbacks who's played well against the Redskins. He really has. He's played solidly against other guys like Tony Romo. Did not have was not a great quarterback, especially at FedEx. Um, Dak Prescott, eh, you know, um, even um, Wentz who has been, Foles, I think, has been better than Wentz, you know, uh, against us. Um, so, you know, I give Eli's props in that regard, too. 
And um, I'm super – I'm happy to see Odell gone because he used to light our butts up. But um, I'm not so happy to see Saquon, you know, here forever. <laughs> yeah, you know, Sa- there, Saquon's not too bad. No, he's – he has again, like we're seeing, bet you know, two bad teams play against each other, and you know, in those situations, everyone plays the run. So Saquon gets his, you know, his head run ran into the line twenty five times, and um, I think he ultimately did get some put some stats up against us. Um, but you know, Odell, I think Odell was the guy who had the biggest numbers against us last year. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the Giants' offense unfolds this coming year without Odell. Um, you know, we'll we'll see how that uh, how that plays out. I think they've still got some weapons. It's just going to be a matter of uh, of whether guys stay healthy and whether they can block and all of those things. But hey, we've gone this far into a show, and we mm-hmm. haven't talked about Dwayne Haskins yet. And yep. we, I mean, we have a situation where, you know, it's sort of like two thousand and four with. Eli and Rivers and Roethlisberger. I mean, these guys playing in the same division, you know, with everything that that went down leading into the draft, these guys are always kind of going to be not necessarily tied at the hip, but they're always but they're both always going to be compared. Just your thoughts right now on on Dwayne Haskins, whether you think he's going to wind up starting week 1, you know, and what you guys see so far. Yeah. So right. Well, starting with the last question first, what you see so far is, is like an amazing physical specimen who, in shorts and a t-shirt, can make the ball spin like a magician. Um, you know, sixty yards down the field. So we don't have anyone that can do that but him. Um, so that that is, is super helpful and fun, uh, but potentially harmful if it causes coaches to put him in the in the game too soon. Uh, he played high school ball right down the street from me, um, and when I knew him well. In fact, I I knew the guy whose job he took, or, or the family I should say, um, you know, when he kind of rose to, to power in that program. And you know, we we, we we you know knew who he was. And when he went to uh, Big Ten and played in Ohio State, I mean, he put up he was productive. He put up you know fifty touchdowns and and uh, he played well in the pocket. You know, so I, I the fifty touchdowns are probably more a function of Ohio State being awesome. But the cool thing about Dwayne Haskins is as you translate his game to the next level uh, is that he plays well in the pocket. That's the, he was the best um, guy in this draft in terms of playing in the pocket. He steps up. He's a big body. He can, he can, um, he can take a little contact. Uh, and he, that, that's where he thrives, um, which is what the one thing that you would ask any guy to do if you want your offense to be good in the NFL is have a quarterback and play in the pocket. So he shows the ability to do that. And I didn't want a quarter. I, I wanted a quarterback, but I thought we should have gone in the direction in the first round. So I was calling for for other other things. I thought, um, you know, I I would have I would have done a couple, done it a couple of different ways. I'm ecstatic that we have again uh, a, a a quarterback prospect that people are high on. That's that has uh, you know at four or five million bucks a year is probably going to really really help us deal with the fact that we're still paying Alex Smith $20 million a year um, who, and he only has one leg and his or his leg is, looks like it's auditioning for a role in Hellraiser. Um, and it's, it's really weird and creepy. And, and he says he's coming back Ed. now they're, they're throwing the comeback story at us. I'm telling you, they want this, 
they, they don't even they're so backwards they don't even understand that if the Alex Smith comeback story is going to be anything inspiring and awesome it's going to be at the expense of the Dwayne Haskins story because um, if the because Dwayne Haskins this is just his team you know if Alex Smith is not coming back to take Dwayne Haskins team if Haskins shows us anything um, and I, and I think he will so and and certainly over the next two or three years, he's got more juice for us than, than any of the guys, you know, Case Keenum or Colt McCoy or, or or Alex Smith. So there's a new quarterback in Washington, and I wasn't excited about the organizational decision to go quarterback in that spot. But when they did it, it, it it's it's a good. I mean, we needed a quarterback. We we and you need we need talent at the quarterback position. The only place you're going to get talent. At the quarterback position, blue chip talent is in the first round. So just like Gettleman, you, you get your guy, you take your guy. And so, um, the, you know, he played with Dan Snyder's son. I mean, I, there's just a lot of weird tie-ins and connections that are, it's, make, either makes it seem worse or better. And, and I don't, sometimes I get confused. Well, it's funny because there's tie-ins with Haskins in Washington. And, and I said for months that if the Giants were going to take a quarterback, there were just so many tie-ins between Daniel Jones and the Giants with with David Cutcliffe at Duke mm-hmm. and Manning's quarterback coach or Manning's roommate in college is a guy named David Morris who happens to be Daniel Jones' private quarterback coach. You know, so there's yeah. there's that connection, there's the Manning Passing Academy connection, all of those things. And it just it just felt for months like if they were going to go quarterback, Jones was going to be their guy. But let me do this before okay. we move on from the quarterback topic. You you studied both guys. You said you really liked you know what you saw from Daniel Jones. Look into your crystal ball, and I know that you're you, you're coming at this from a from a, a Redskins colored um, viewpoint, mm-hmm. but yep. Look into your crystal ball and tell me, you know, five, six, seven years down the road, which guy do you think is going to be the better NFL quarterback? Well, I, I'll, you, I'll, I'll wearing my colored glasses, I, 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 I would justify the saying Dwayne Haskins uh, because I, I think he's more pro. He's the most pro ready, um, and he'll probably be. Uh, Deployed earlier and therefore might get that value, get some valuable snaps uh, in the league before Daniel Jones will. You know, which which plays into the you know answering the question you asked, which you know factors in time. So I think Haskins is going to get the experience, he's going to get the reps. Um, he he likes being in the pocket. Like I said, he's a big guy that doesn't really want to get out and run. Daniel Jones will, um, and that that's helpful for him. I, and I think that. Um, What's interesting about Haskins, I think, is that he will probably execute Jay Gruden's offense a little bit more like Jay Gruden once it executed uh, versus the way specifically Kirk Cousins did. Um, which, you know, Dwayne Haskins is an accurate passer, uh, but he does like to throw the deep ball and he will ri- take, take those risks. Kirk, Kirk Cousins did not like to do that and Jay Gruden hated him for it what you know Jay Gruden was dying for Kirk Cousins to throw more deep balls you know for better or worse and Kirk Cousins did not want to do it and he didn't I think Haskins will um, they got this kid uh, that he played with at Ohio State uh, McLaurin Terry McLaurin who I think is going to start for us this year um, he's uh 
he, he's he's a factor. You know, the, the the to round out the answer to your question, Daniel Jones is going to have Saquon Barkley, and that's huge. Uh, Redskins currently don't have a Saquon Barkley, but I do think the Redskins' wide receiver core, as bad as it really has been, it's young, and I think it it fits more what Haskins does and what Jay Gruden wants to do. And so, because of all those things, I'll look into my crystal ball and I will say, by a whisker. Uh, Daniel Jones will fall to Dwayne Haskins just by a hair. You know, it's going to be interesting because for years, this what we're going to hear about is Jones, Haskins, mm-hmm. Haskins, jo- Haskins, Jones. Every time, you know, if if the Redskins are up a little bit for a year, it's going to be you know, Haskins was the right call. If if the Giants are up a little bit and the Redskins are down, it's going to be Jones, and and it's kind of like I I always said. For years and years, with the Roethlisberger Manning debate, is you have to wait until all the all the all the chips are in, until all the cards are played, and when it's all said and done, you know, ten years, twelve years from now, then we'll look back and we'll figure out, you know, we'll figure out which team got the better deal. Yeah, and, and you know, hopefully, for one of us, we can make that argument based on playoff wins or even championships. Um, I think that ultimately a quarterback, he distinguishes himself the most in, in that way. I know a lot of other stuff has to go well for the teams, but um, it would kind of be crappy if if in five years the two of us were having a conversation comparing, you know, just looking at like advanced metrics to, to determine who might be better between the two because both teams have like a below 500 record over that period. I mean, yeah. I'm just hoping that's not the yeah. case. I'm hoping that's it, not the it, case. It would be even crappier if, if that, uh, if that NFC's team that wears green keeps, uh, you know, know. winds up, winds up know. winning stuff. We got to do something about that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Those guys are killing me. I know it's, it's, it's bad. But you know, I can still talk to the folks over at uh, over at blogging the boys and say, you know, we have uh, you know covering the Cowboys and say, you know, the Giants have more Super Bowl titles in the last twenty years than you have playoff wins. So, so there is yeah. that, you know. So yeah. there, so yeah. so we still have that. <laughs> you know, we as Giants, you know, as covering the Giants, we still have that. But hey, last question for you, real quick. Jay yeah. Gruden get fired this year if the if the Redskins don't make the playoffs. <sighs> I, it, it'd be interesting. The, the, the um, I don't think the Redskins see because Dan Snyder and Bruce Allen think they're so smart that they would, um, you know, think that they could change the coach. Uh, you know, bring someone in who can kind of just take what they've already done and and make it better. Uh, whereas obviously whenever you bring in a new head coach, he's come, he has ideas, he has thoughts. Um, so if they don't make the playoffs, I mean, I think eight and eight, it, I think eight and eight saves his job, uh, because, because it just doesn't have much to work with at, at the moment. Um, and I also think he's, I think he's being a good soldier, uh, for Snyder and Allen throughout this all season. I don't think he necessarily had a ton of say. And a lot of things that happened, um, which is definitely a story here in D.C., but like it's kind of gotten brushed under the carpet, and maybe it doesn't need to be that big of a deal. But Gruden, I don't think Gruden was really in on a ton of decisions that were made. So um, that to me, that says you know maybe he is on the outs if he doesn't do well. But the thing about 
Gruden is if if Haskins plays well this year, if, if Haskins does well, and some of these you know Landon, Landon Collins plays well, and if the offensive line somehow meshes for, you know for a period of time, you know Gruden's set because that, everything that, that that's going to fall into place for him, and I think that. That's the beauty of having a coach. This is the first time we've ever extended a head coach. It was Jay Gruden, um, and if he, you know, and he's been certainly enjoying the the opposite of the benefit of of good things going his way. You know, over the last couple of years, you know, fifty players on injured reserve for the you know the last starters on injured reserve for the last two years. So, um, I long winded way of answering your question. I if he if they don't make the playoffs. I don't think that's the bar. I think eight and eight is the bar. Um, if they are seven and nine or worse again, I think you could see him be on the outs. But that then that could also affect Bruce Allen. I I do think that the leash is as short as it's ever been on Bruce Allen. And Dan Snyder's move is he puts a guy in front, the guy takes a bunch of bullets, then he gives the guy a promotion, and and he, the guy takes even more bullets, and then uh, one once the team is like. You know, everyone's like, this team is terrible. Like, what the hell are you guys doing? Then, like, he makes someone the president of something, you know? So, so you like, you get, a, like, one last promotion. And if you don't do it then, then you're fired. That's what, that was a Vinny Serrato uh, journey. <laughs> so, um, but, but, Ed, I, I want to make sure we don't gloss over something else that's huge about the Redskins offseason and it ties to the draft. Which is? Which is Montez Sweat. Oh, so you know, I, me, I I had I had a little note here to talk about Montez Sweat, so uh, so go ahead. What were you going to say there? Well, when we drafted Dwayne Haskins, Brian Burns was on the board. He was the, you know the guy I wanted, the monster um, you know rusher out of uh, uh, Florida State, and I wanted him. He went the very next pick afterwards, which tells me you know obviously everyone thought the same as me. Um, but that was our biggest need. To me, our number one need. Uh, and we're totally driven by the salary cap issue. Top edge rushers and outside linebacker guys who can rush the quarterback, they're like they're worth their weight in gold times 100. They're paid at just a fortune. We lost Preston Smith, who got a huge deal at Green Bay. These guys make a ton of money. If they can do the job, they make a ton of money. If you're paying a one-legged guy to not play quarterback for you, $40 million, you can't afford to have nice things uh on the on the edges on defense so we had to get a blue chip prospect and then we just big fat didn't you know at number 15 with and we got Dwayne Haskins but then out of nowhere we trade up into the bottom of the first round and get a 6-6 guy with a seven like a minute bowl wingspan he runs like a 4-4-40 the dude is a ridiculous athlete if he does anything and we're paying him squat I mean yeah it's a first round pick but you know his his entire contract is worth less than a guy who made, had like five sacks last year. It's unbelievable. If he can provide anything, he to me, that's that's the difference maker on our team this year. Getting to the quarterback, putting your hands on on, on opposing teams' quarterbacks, disrupting. Things. If, if he if he can be that guy, oh uh, yeah, that then the Redskins can be something because that that now you're talking about returning crazy value on a low contract. On a, um, on a on a guy at the beginning of his career, and that that's how you can be. That's the way teams are good. That's the only reason teams are good in this league. All over the league, it's first and second year guys um, outperforming, you know, with their expectations. And Montez Sweat, to me, he's the guy. He's the guy who can do that for us. It's so interesting because I I don't really necessarily have a Montez Sweat question here, but 
There mm-hmm. was a point in time when people thought I knew that the Giants loved Montez Sweat. All right, there was and there was a point in time where the draft board was such that you thought that the Giants would take Montez Sweat at six and try to get Daniel Jones at seventeen. And then when they went ahead and took Daniel Jones at six, you thought, well, you know, are there going to be any of those big-time edge rushers still there at 17? And and like you, I think Brian Burns was probably, you know, one edge rusher ahead of Montez Sweat on on the Giants draft board. But, you know, Burns went at 16. And... A lot of people, myself included a little bit, were very surprised when the Giants, who need those pass rushers, who need that edge guy, you know, chose the the big guy, Dexter Lawrence, you know, at at 17 instead of Montez Sweat. I think that so much of the criticism that Gettleman got for taking Daniel Jones at six would have been mitigated you know, just just from the public aspect, if the Giants had taken Montez Sweat at seventeen, I think the draft would have felt better because the Giants would have come out of that first round with the with with the pass rusher that that fans heard for months and months and months that they needed. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, Dexter Lawrence is a good player, um, and if he's a good defensive lineman, I mean, I I I I always have that initial. Like like someone's like someone flicking your balls when they draft a guy that you're like weren't exactly excited about seeing come in, but then all of a sudden, like Ryan Kerrigan's perfect example. I mean, no one was excited when we drafted Ryan Kerrigan. Not even everyone knew who Josh Allen was, you know, unfortunately, um, because he's a stud. But these guys, man, they they stand up, they play strong in the middle. And DeAndre Baker is a great constellation, bottom of the first round guy. I mean, I loved him out of Georgia. I think he's a very good cornerback. Um, for you know, for you guys, and and uh, so I, you know, if you think about it, you know, going, you got a quarterback, a defensive tackle, and a corner in the first round. I think that that starts to have some shine. Hey, for both of us, though, it it comes back to those first round quarterbacks. If uh, yeah. if if Haskins is what the Redskins hope he'll be, and Jones is what the Giants hope he'll be, then uh, you know maybe you know a few years down the road, the these two teams flip the division on its head. Yeah, especially if Dallas pays Dak Prescott thirty-four million dollars a year. I mean, God, I hope they do that. Um, that uh, and, and and maybe he, you know, maybe he just continues at his current pace of being like just good enough for them not to be a, a true contender for the next ten years. That would be awesome to me. Uh, there you go. There you go. They, they, I, Giants yeah. fans are going to like the way you think, Ken. Uh, well, we're all on the same page here. I mean, <laughs> the, the Cowboys have benefited. You know, Cowboys, Chiefs, and Rams are like the key teams. Who have been able to spend money other places in the field because their quarterback was on a rookie deal, and and they got and that quarterback started day one. That's like the best possible situation for a franchise. So as soon as they, because I'm worried, I'm starting to worry that they're not going to be able to put Amari Cooper, you know, make him happy, and you've got to make him happy. Um, so they're going to have to make some decisions uh, in the next year and a half, two years, uh, on some guys that they would probably rather have, and it's going to be because they're paying Dak Prescott. 
so that's great for us. Well, we'll enjoy watching Jerry Jones sweat. And Ken, I think with uh, with that, I think uh, you know, I think we'll uh, we'll let you go for now. We uh, cool. really appreciate you uh, spending some time with us. This was a lot of fun, and uh, we'll talk to you again hopefully during the season. Anytime, Ed. Yeah, just uh, come on, man. Let's let's kick up the conversation. Keep keep me in mind. All right, thank you. Have a good one. All right. Our thanks to Ken for uh, dropping lots and lots of uh, of knowledge on us about the about the Redskins. We thank you as always for listening. We encourage you to please subscribe to Big Blue View Radio on all of your favorite podcast applications. And as we said, Giants fans, have a, a safe and enjoyable 4th of July weekend. We'll be back with more shows later this week, but uh, please, you know, if you're traveling, if you miss the shows, please, you know, enjoy yourself and, and be safe over the holiday. Bye-bye.